Thank you for joining the worship services of Shoto, Brady, and Dutton United Methodist Churches. I'm Pastor Julie King, and I'm so grateful for digital technology that allows you to join us from wherever you are in the world. You can join us every week by clicking the links on our Facebook at facebook.com shotoumc or on our website at umshoto.net. If you like what we are doing and would like to financially support us in ministry, you can find more contact information on our website, and again, that's umshoto.net. We're so grateful that you are joining us. Mark 4 Verses 26 through 9, the story of the growing seed. He also said the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sweep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how the earth produces of itself. First the stalk, then the head. Then the full grain is in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes with his sickle, because the harvest has come. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. This Sunday, if you haven't figured it out, I'm shifting gears a little bit. I'm still focusing on things that are our favorites, but not necessarily focusing again this week on anyone's particular favorite scripture or parable or even their favorite hymn. What I am focusing on is really more of a celebration to our life and something that I think almost all of us in this room would probably classify as one of the favorite parts of our life. And that is living in small, rural town America. In what I can vouch is I believe this state is truly God's country. It is one of the most beautiful places that I have ever been. And that's something that all of us have a lot of pride for. It is something that all of us love, and it is definitely a favorite of each of our lives. So today, that's what I want us to focus on is our rural life and the very amazing things about it. As I was preparing this week, I switched my mind many times on what I wanted to talk about because there's so much that you could say. And then I decided to ask, and so I kind of put out a little message on Facebook and said, what do you love most about living in the rural area that you do. And the responses came from all over. They were not just from people here in Montana, they were from my family in Kansas, my friends from other parts of the country. And I wanna share with you generally what everyone's responses were. People love the community feeling of rural towns. The ways that everyone is so loving and caring, generous and always willing to help out. You hardly know a stranger in little towns. And it doesn't matter if you're going through the good or the bad, people come together 
and they show love and compassion. They also get very creative in the ways that they solve problems or have to come up with a solution to something because there's times we don't always have access to all the resources that we need. So people come together and they get very creative about it. The other top answers and responses were that people love the silence and the peace, the serenity, the beautiful landscapes, the wide open spaces, the sun rises, the sunsets, seeing and hearing the birds, the creatures of nature, being able to look out and see the mountains or just go be in the mountains, or on a clear night, being able to look up in the sky and seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of stars. There is something amazing about rural life. I was thinking about this and I realized that my own response to this image in my own head might be a little biased because I was born and raised in a rural area and I can't imagine living anywhere but a small town. But if I were to try and paint on a canvas what rural life looks like, it would be all of those descriptions put into one. It would be the beautiful landscapes of the mountains and the open wheat fields and maybe an elevator in there, but then I'd also want images of people just helping people. I had the opportunity to speak to one of the farmers and ranchers in the area, and he was sharing with me that one of his favorite things about rural life is the way that everyone just always comes together. They're not trying to one-up each other. They're not there to intentionally harm somebody. He shared with me that something that I was unaware of, and maybe a, some of you are a part of this, is that over the last couple of years with COVID, obviously there's been a lot of financial concerns, especially for the small farms and ranches. And so instead of selling their cattle to somebody across the country or wherever they could, the ranchers that could afford it were paying good market prices for those people's cows so that they wouldn't lose them. And they were helping each other out to keep the ranches afloat, but not take away their animals and their livestock that they put so much work into. I think that there are some things about rural life that we just really get right. We are good people. Unfortunately, just because there are so many good people, that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't get it very wrong. I think we all have moments where we get worked up about a situation, we let our feelings start going, we say bad things that we wish we could take back, we think things that we wish we didn't think, it's like we forget who we are, those good people that are deep inside of us. And we begin acting in a way that is really embarrassing to ourselves when we think about it after the fact. We are, of course, not able to avoid temptation just because we live in a rural life. We are not able to avoid sinful ways. And there are a lot of times that we get caught up in that too. But something that I think is exclusive about living where we do is that every single day we have the most beautiful landscape that is out there 
And I think that we all find a way that we connect with creation and we find God out there in nature and in that peace. And every day we have the opportunity to wake up and connect with God in that way. We also have the opportunity to know that wherever we go, there is a very good chance we're going to know every face. And if we meet someone for the first time, if you're like me and you've only lived here a year, even if you're meeting someone the first time, I guarantee you, you know somebody that they are related to or they know you or everyone is all connected in some way. And it is an amazing thing about where we live. It's a wonderful thing. So how does this in our rural life have anything to do with this parable of the growing seed? I want to shift gears and think about that a little bit. One of the things that I've noticed about Jesus' teachings in the gospel is that, especially in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, most of Jesus' parables end up coming to one common theme, and that theme is typically the kingdom of God. Of course, in all of Jesus' teachings, he taught others through stories because as human beings, we remember stories. We remember funny moments. We remember things when we can visualize them in our mind or when we've experienced them ourselves and we can understand it. And so that's how Jesus taught. And of course, a lot of his teachings, because of the culture and the ways of that time, they are agriculture-based. So we, as an area that has a lot of agriculture, can relate to these very well. If you don't do it right now, because I don't want you to stop paying attention, but later in your bulletin, if you look inside, there's a really cute cartoon about the mustard seed. We all are very familiar with the mustard seed story. There's also on the front of your bulletin a reminder of the parable of the sower. This one is the parable of the growing seed. And it's a wonderful thing that I think we all can relate to. At the beginning of this scripture, Jesus talks about how there is a sower. And the sower takes and he sows the seed. He plants it. Well, all of us have seen that process happen around here. If we're not farmers ourselves, we understand how it works. There is a planting season. And it is busy. And it takes some work. And the farmers go out there and they spend long hours in their fields as they are planting. But once that planting is done, the workload itself lightens up a little bit for the farmers. They don't have to go out there and physically do anything to make that seed grow. Yes, they might have to go check on irrigation and, you know, double check that things are going on as they're watering, but there's really nothing else that they can do. They can't go out there and force the seed to begin growing. They can't make it rain as much as they wish they could. They can't keep the hailstorms away. That growing season is a time that the scripture talks about that they can go and they can sleep and they can wake up and they can sleep and they wake up and they don't really have to do much. But then, once it is grown, the full head of grain gets ripe and then it is ready to harvest. 
That's what we see happening all around this area right now. And we know how that works too. Even the scripture talks about how they will get a sickle and they will go harvest the plants. That's what's happening now. These farmers are busy and it's not just the farmers. It is all of their hired hands. It is their children, their grandchildren. It is literally every person in their family. And I think farm wives get the most credit because they are also the parts runners and they prepare meals and they do the laundry and they keep every everything going while their husband or whoever is out there on the combines and the AC, you know, mind you. But harvest is a very busy time. And even though they are on the AC, I'm not saying that that makes their job easy at all because it is a very dirty job. It is a lot of long hours. And if it's anything like our farm, there's inevitably breakdowns. And so then you're out of the combine and in the heat and greasy. And that's not a job I could do for sure. But harvest time is a wonderful time. Because even though it's busy and even though it's a lot of work and it can be a dirty job, it is something that brings everyone together. And then you have this bountiful moment where you see all of the work of the year being hauled off to the elevators. There is such a sense of pride. It's one of those moments, if you were here last week and remember me talking about those moments that you can go back to where you can literally smell it and feel it, harvest becomes one of those moments for people. And it's an amazing time. So why would Jesus share this story what is he trying to get at? Remember I mentioned the kingdom of God. What does the story have anything to do with the kingdom of God? This is how I see it. So to me, the Old Testament of course talks a lot about God as the king. But when Jesus comes, he begins telling his followers and the people of that time, he says the kingdom of God is near. To me, God is that sower and Jesus is the seed. God planted Jesus he put them there in our lives. It was obviously a very, very busy time of all of our lives, even though we weren't personally there. It was a time where Jesus was teaching and he was preaching and he was changing many, many views and cultural norms. He was being ridiculed and of course then was crucified. It was a time when Jesus died and then was buried and then, of course, we all know what happens. He was resurrected, and then the ascension happened. To me, that is the sowing time that Jesus is talking about in this parable. So then the growing happens. Well, as Jesus talks in this parable, he's talking about how there's not a lot that you can do to make it grow. So if we think about this in our own lives, once we have accepted Christ in our life, and Christ has been planted in our hearts. Remember, we're talking about the kingdom of God here. What do we do to get it to grow? The truth is, we can't force the kingdom of God to grow ourselves. We have to let the Holy Spirit do the growing, just like the earth does the growing in the scripture for that seed. That is something that the Holy Spirit has to do in our lives. And yes, we are very responsible for making sure that we are those good, loving, genu genuine people that we talked about that are so great in rural America. But we cannot physically go up to someone and force them to grow in Christ. That has to be done through the Holy Spirit. And that has to be done in a way that they connect individually with God. 
As much as I wish I could go out and change the world and make every single person become a strong Christian, I can't. That growing season is God. It's God's work, and that's where the Spirit is at work. And through us, though, by us living our lives as good examples, that's the ways that the Holy Spirit works. And we all know how mysterious the Holy Spirit is. That growing happens when we don't expect it. It's nothing that we can do to make it happen. So then what happens with the harvest? Well, as I said, I wish I could go out and be that fire and brimstone pastor on the corner that says the end is coming and you have to follow Christ now, but I'm not that way. And even if I was, it wouldn't work. To me, the harvest is when we have reached that full Christian maturity. And it is also that time that we truly get to go to heaven. We get to experience the full kingdom of God. It is that time that we will live forever because we are promised that we will. And so through that time, when it comes time to harvest, there is so much that happens there. Remember, God is the one in control here. He's the sower, even at the beginning. And during that time when the harvest comes, it is only God who takes our soul and makes it complete and makes us whole so that we are not hurting, that there is absolutely nothing wrong. It is that time that we will truly have perfection and we will live and reign forever in the kingdom of heaven. This story, this parable that Jesus tells, it's only a few verses long and it seems like such a short story, but when we think about it, it's got a very big message. The reason that I chose this parable and this story is I want to celebrate our rural life and something that we love about our life, one of the favorite things of our lives, is because, like I said, I really do think that we have something exclusive here. You can't go buy it in a store. You can't go find it on a hot sidewalk in the middle of the city. It is something very exclusive to our lives. And it's something that we should all celebrate. And as we do celebrate it, I hope that this week that you will be reminded that you are in this growing time of your life. And it's easy for us to let the weeds get into our life, which of course distracts us from growing in the ways that we should. But I hope that this week you will be reminded of that loving, compassion, genuine person that each one of you are and those that are around you, and that you will take that out into the world and let the Holy Spirit help each of you continue to grow. Amen. Our hymn of reflection that we are going to sing is Harvest Time, and this one is becoming a new favorite to me. Believe it or not, I had no clue who Brother Van was until I came to Montana because he was not our circuit rider in Kansas. But I love the history of Brother Van. And so many of you know this as the Brother Van song, and it is definitely one of the most requested favorites of everyone in our parish. And so I would invite all of you to stand and join in singing Harvest Time. The seed I have scattered in springtime with weeping and water, with tears and with dews from on high. Another may shout when the harvesters reaping shall gather my 
Of victory, crowns of glory.